0: Hey there, and welcome back to Scopophilia. We are the Millennial Movie Movement, and I, of course, am your host, Becky Teller, leading the movement on into the summer. We are almost at the end of our summer sessions, which is kind of sad, but also really awesome because that just means that season three is coming soon. More details on that later because today... We are talking to the lovely and talented music supervisor extraordinaire, Trisha Halloran. This interview was so fun and interesting for me because I think music... Much like a lot of the topics that we've been talking about in this session as a whole, uh, music is something that, you know, kind of gets pushed aside. It's not at the forefront of our minds when we think of media and entertainment and and our favorite show. I mean, how often are you watching something and you think to yourself, wow this soundtrack is amazing. This score is so interesting, intricate, you know. What were they thinking when they put this together? How is it affecting how I am watching something? Well, after this interview, that's all you're going to think about. (laughs) I know that I am. Now, if you are not immediately uh, aware of Trisha's work, she has worked on shows like Netflix's Dead to Me, New Amsterdam, Castle. Uh, She worked on the first season of Fargo on FX, but she's also been involved in several film projects, which include things like A Secret Love on Netflix, uh, the newest film Tully, and then soon to be coming out. The Space Between with Original Music by Rivers Cuomo of the band Weezer, which I'm so excited to watch. And it was so exciting to talk to her about that process of being a music supervisor while also creating brand new music. So I will stop talking because this is a very exciting interview and I just want to get to it. So without further ado, my interview with Trisha Halloran about her incredible career as a music supervisor. Enjoy! Scopophilia is the newest thing to hit the market. Defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something, it's the new craze sweeping the nation. Taken in large doses, side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content. If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. Hey, Scopophiliacs, and welcome back to another summer session behind-the-scenes extravaganza. We are at the end of our summer sessions, and what better way to end the summer sessions with a little bit of music and a little bit of fun entertainment? And our lovely special guest, Trisha Holloran. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I am very well.
1: I'm having an out-of-body experience watching you. With headphones speaking into a mic because <laughs> I did that for so long. Uh, I was a DJ at KCRW and I haven't done it in over 10 years, but it's funny to be on the other side of the <laughs> the microphone, so to speak.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. And you're out in LA. We're doing this long distance and virtual. And yep. I know you were saying, you know, things are, are doing okay in the COVID world. Are you, how are you doing? <laughs> we're, we're holding steady. We're all <laughs> holding our breath and hoping that the variant does not get out of control. Absolutely. And so you are a music supervisor. Is that your full title?
1: Correct. That is my full title.
0: Amazing. And so for people who aren't familiar with what that is, because I'll be honest, I think I know what a music supervisor is, but I'm not totally sure. Uh, tell us you know, a little bit about what's your day-to-day like? What, what do you do for a living? Well, one of the best things about being
1: a music supervisor is every day is different. Every hour is different because even if you're on a project for many years, the needs of that project change day to day. So I love the vitality of that. It's just always changing. In fact, I have to get up in the morning, sort of go through the email and organize the day and try to make sure I hit everything. Of course, emergencies come up during the day or urgent items right? <laughs> and reschedule. So I have to say there's not a typical day at all, <laughs> uh, but essentially my mission is to assist the producers and directors of TV shows and films in finding the existing music to put into their projects. So I like to contrast it with the composer, because many people, when you say television and music or film and music, they think of the background score, Mm. the instrumental score that drives the scenes that you, in a way, don't even notice that much, unless you're watching Star Wars and you're like, that's a John Williams (laughs) score. (laughs) But that background music is all usually created by the composer, occasionally licensed. And then any... Actual songs, usually with lyrics, but not always that you hear, say, for the closing montage of a television drama or any scene in a movie or TV where they're in a bar and there's music playing. That's all pre existing music that has a very specific licensing process that it has to go through. So you have to find it, find the owners, clear the song, make sure they're okay with the use because it's copyright protected. You're not allowed to use a song in association with the visual aspect, unless it's cleared through the people that own the song. So there's a whole process going through with that. So it's, what's fun about it to me is it's always solving a problem and you have to have a creative brain to know a lot about music and know where the less expensive uh, Pearl jam sounding songs
0: are, (laughs) you know,
1: and you also have to have the, Right brain side that is very organized and can go through the legal machinations and research things and find out who owns things and make sure that legally your producers are covered as well. Very cool.
0: And I, well, and I was going to ask, like, there's kind of a legal aspect to things of, of kind of knowing the law about copyright, right? <laughs> yeah. You really have to understand, you don't have to be a lawyer, but
1: you need to understand the basics of what the copyright protection means and why it's such a big deal. If you mess it up, which it is. So sometimes there's so much pressure that you're, you know, a producer wants a song or a director really wants a song and the owner of that song either can't be found or is unresponsive or we don't have enough money. And the, the creatives really want something and you're trying to supply it, but you may or may not be able to actually make it happen. I mean, I make it happen, I would say 98% of the time, because people generally are happy to take money to have their music to <laughs> be used. But <laughs> occasionally, it just, it just doesn't happen. And mm-hmm. there's always that tense period of time when you're struggling to negotiate it, and it it just sometimes doesn't happen. So you do have to understand and be really clear with the producers and the directors who are my bosses on the project, you can't, you can't have the song, you know, we cannot clear it. You're it's copyright infringement. If you use it, you'll be in Mm -hmm. a lot of trouble, et cetera, et cetera. So you do have to understand why it's important. It's not just a glamor job, pick some music, give it to the director, (laughs) put it in here. Right. Have have a responsibility on, Mm. on the copyright side.
0: Right. Well, and you've had such an impressive career, uh, in general. Like I was looking at, you know, I have your, your list of, of credits in front of me and I mean, TV wise dead to me on Netflix, new Amsterdam, you've worked on the big C, uh, you know, even in film, you just did Tully front runner, um, the a secret love, which is beautiful. Oh, so so lovely. And I mean, so how, I mean, what was the start of all this? Did you always know you wanted to do this? You know, where, tell me, you know, what happened where you were like, yeah, this is what I want to (laughs) do.
1: It's sort of a funny story and kind of a long story, but I'll condense it if possible. So I was a DJ at KCRW Mm -hmm. for a long time. And a lot of DJs are music supervisors there because it's a, it's a very overlapping skill set. Although, as we were just talking about, the legal aspect is very different. On the radio, you can play whatever you want, as long as you're not breaking FCC laws. But you may not be able to license that music for a film for various reasons. Mm. But the idea of having a wide knowledge base about music, and especially knowing the up-and-coming bands that are going to be great, but are at this point willing to take exposure more than money, that's right. really, usually helpful to a project. <laughs> so that skill set overlaps a lot. So I was working there and I had a friend that was a music supervisor and through KCRW I also met a, uh, a person, I'm trying to think of what his exact job title was. He was like the head of dramas at ABC and he was developing a show called Men in Trees starring Anne Haish. and they were for some reason struggling to find the right music supervisor and he said, hey, well, let's try this DJ at KCRW, Tricia Halloran and So I went in, interviewed, hit it off with the producers and no idea what I was doing. I mean, I had a mentor, (laughs) like I had done one small film that never came out and I had my my very good friend was a music supervisor. She helped me a lot, but really zero training, zero idea. I don't recommend that by the way at all. (laughs) And there was less in place because that was sort of really in the beginning years of music supervising being a craft. And now there's a lot of classes and support and we can talk about that too. But anyway, sort of dove into it and just made it happen. I had a, a great team that I was working with at the time and they were invaluable. And And I just loved it. I was working on commercials a lot at the time, which is similar, but it, it's a slightly different process. And I just was really got hooked on the TV aspect of it because it was so fulfilling. Like every week an episode aired and your music went out and it was so immediately rewarding. There was mm. so much more space such a bigger canvas than commercials so that's uh I just kind of it all started from there really uh those everything I got after that for a few years was either word of mouth from the people that hired me or
0: yeah it all it all kind of stemmed from that experience amazing well I mean how exciting you know like like I said these projects are unbelievable and I mean, has there been one or two that like are really kind of close to you or are are you just excited to like just work on this?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're all, every project, you know, is, every project is great. I have favorites, but I have so many favorites that I don't even think I can, I mean, I just have been lucky to work on a lot of good projects. And once you work with people, directors or producers and they like you and they're doing good work, then they commonly will, you know, they'll come back and hire you again. So that's good. I would say in, in movies, I just finished a project which was so time consuming and took so many years, but ultimately it it was really a dream project because the script called for, so there's two main characters in the script. One is an aging singer songwriter meant to be like a Brian Wilson type, but even way more off the grid. Mm -hmm. And he ended up being played by Kelsey Grammer.
0: It's fantastic. Uh The
1: movie's called The Space Between. It just came out on, on, you know, pay, pay video. So you can, you can find it on Amazon. and Mm -hmm. Anywhere that you can rent or buy the videos. Uh, So, and then there's a younger character that's a mailroom. He works in the mailroom of a record label, and it's set in 1996, which was also the era that I really came of age in the music business. So it was very close to my heart from the beginning. And then the fun of it was this Kelsey Grammer character in the script. He he has written albums of songs, and the younger character is discovering his music and their plot points as the film goes on. So we had to have an album of music written and then we had to make record those albums of you know multiple right. songs I think there was six and it was just a fun process from the beginning we ended up getting Rivers Cuomo from Weezer to write the songs and I worked really closely with the director Rachel Winter who was fantastic and then we Rivers doesn't. Rivers ended up doing an end title song for us, but he doesn't sing on the other songs Kelsey does. Mm, and mm-hmm. so he just basically wrote the songs, handed us the demos, and we went back and forth with him a little bit. And then I found a studio. It's called New Monkey Studio in LA that has a vintage gear. So we could make it sound like the 70s and we produced oh, cool. it with, <laughs> with um, Nick Luca from Calexico. And, and for our in-house band, we use this LA band called Mini Bar. And it was just, I worked with all my favorite people and we made the songs sound like they're from the seventies. And then Kelsey came in and sang on the songs and it was just start to finish probably the most creative project I've done because it was both creating music, which normally the composer gets the fun of that. right? And then also besides that music that we created, which are the album songs that are discovered throughout the film. We used a lot of nineties music as background and to help drive the, the scene and very little score, more like a the score was not exactly musical because we didn't want it to outshine the album songs. So the score was what's the word for it? Mechanical or just almost sound effecty. There was a score, but it was very, we used it sparingly. Okay, and so I think I that it's just a highlight to me, not only because I just finished it, but I worked on it for so long. And it, but it was a very, very creative process to work with a songwriter and then produce all the songs. So That's that was amazing. a good one.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited. I know um, uh, Robert, friend of the show, was kind of telling me a little bit about it. So I'm very excited. I haven't had the time to sit down and watch it yet, but I'm very excited to watch it. Good, good. <laughs> I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so tell me, you know, because I, I get this feeling from a lot of people that I talk to that, you know, when you're doing a film versus doing like a TV show, it feels like a very different beast from one another. So true. Um, how, you know, how would you kind of describe that in terms of music? Because I know like, you know, Dead to Me, for example, it's, you know, vintage music. It has like a certain vibe, whereas... I'm sure like space between also has like kind of a vintage feel, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. Talk, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, how is that process different?
1: Well, the, the logistics of the process are very different with television. Usually there's up to three editors working on three different episodes at a time. There's also another two or three episodes that are being written. Mm -hmm. And then there's another episode that's being shot. So you basically are juggling seven hours of television at a time. Or in the case of Dead to Me, they're a half hour episode. So three and a half hours. And any one of those editors could require you that day to supply music for something they're working on. And you have to also keep an eye on the scripts that are being written because they might be writing music in. Writers have the least idea of copyright laws of anyone, <laughs> so they could be writing in music. Oh, Max is going to sing an Aretha Franklin song. Oh, great! Well, we need permission before you shoot because if you shoot Max singing an Aretha Franklin song, and you've shot that film, and then we can't get permission, right? That's going to be a lot of money down the drain, <laughs> and I'm going to take the hit for that. So. And then you have some shows that are finishing, mixing, you have to supply high resolution files of all the music to go on the mix stage and get that done. So on TV, you're constantly busy all the time from the minute they start writing scripts until the last episode uh, is done. And there's sort of an arc. So in the beginning, they're just writing and then they start filming and then you get really busy by the time they're filming an episode, finishing two episodes and writing two episodes. And then it sort of goes down where suddenly they're done filming and then your, your email slows down a little bit and then they (laughs) finish all the editing and then it gets really slow. And then you just have episodes to mix and then it's sort of, there's one day it's just like, Oh, no, one's emailing me because it's all done. (laughs) So it's a, it's a little, sometimes a little bit of a frantic process. So you have to try to handle it with grace and just be on top of everything and try to anticipate what's going to happen. But creatively, I would say television is similar to film, except you're just working with a different set of people. So, on a film, commonly the director is the person really making the final call about what music goes in or what music doesn't. And the director normally has a pretty strong vision of what they want, although you can often help them craft it, or sometimes they don't know and then you work together on it. But a lot of times, a director will work on a film with the editor occasionally even on their own, and then they'll bring you in after they have their temp music in, and then you've (laughs) got to make it work for a budget. It's like, okay, we can't afford that, that, or that, but here's some things that can replace it. But I think it's more common in film for that to come to you sort of fully loaded. Whereas in TV, I can work directly with the editors before the producer, who's the equivalent of a director on a film, before the producer even sees it, and then hopefully I can get it in shape that by the time the producer sees it, like I love everything, <laughs> you
0: know, <laughs> or maybe there's
1: one song he wants different. Right. So TV is a little more, it also usually airs almost immediately from when you finish it, or at least within the year, if you're working ahead on a show. So mm. there's an immediate gratification with television where I can talk to a band. And then two weeks later, that song can be on the air and it's great. And then with film, Sometimes it can be years. I can talk to bands year one and then we can shoot year two and we can finish year three. That's <laughs> occasionally what happens. So they're just very different timelines. And movies are more, you work on it for a while and then sometimes there's nothing to do for a while, then you work on it, then you don't. Whereas television, once they start shooting, it's sort of all hands on deck
0: for the gotcha. duration.
1: Gotcha. But creatively, on films, you're working with the director on television you're working with the producers and the editor but other than that other than the logistical differences I just described when you're actually looking at the piece of film or I guess it's tape now (laughs) digital it's not even tape is it that even is archaic (laughs) when you're looking at the visual it's still just a scene and you're still trying to find music that accomplishes what your clients want to accomplish in that in that scene so in that sense when you get down to it,
0: it's not that different. Gotcha. Well, and that brings up a good question that I was wondering of like, you know, how do you go into like a creative process like that? Cause I mean, you have a piece of film or tape or digital or whatever, and you know, how do you kind of translate that to like the Rolodex of songs you have in your head? Or is it like, are you always looking for new music? How do you, I mean, how do you tackle something like that? Yeah, I'm definitely
1: always looking for new music, which is a lot harder now than it was fifteen years ago, that's for sure, because there's <laughs> so much more of it. Right. I think as with any job, you you your mind gets really good at retaining the information you need. So you probably are constantly seeing something, thinking, Oh, that's a good idea for a podcast you know, whereas mm-hmm. I'm anything I hear I can pretty easily categorize it and bring it back when I need to. Although I also keep spreadsheets and some databases <laughs> to try to stay on top of it all. Right. And then I think the key is, the key is what is the scene trying to accomplish? What is the character feeling? Are we trying to portray what the character's feeling or are we trying to play against what the character's feeling? What is the emotion of the moment? Is that what we're getting at? I think music most often is reflecting an emotion. Usually the producers want to enhance the emotion that they're trying to show on the screen. And Mm. even with the greatest actor, sometimes it's just not coming across. Maybe it's too subtle. Whereas music can really take something that's maybe subtle in the actor's performance and really drive it home. (laughs) (laughs) On The Big C, which is definitely one of my favorite shows to work on. I always said that, because that was such a a strange and wonderful show where it was about death and dying, but it was a comedy. It was a hilarious show about dying. (laughs) So I always said in that show, the music was told the audience what to feel. Like if the music was, and that includes the score and the songs, if the music let you know it's okay to laugh right now, or this is a tender moment. So, you know, don't crack up, not meant to be funny. <laughs> so a lot of times the music can be that cue to the audience as to how it's, okay, you know, what they can take away from the scene or what the intent is of it.
0: Another huge thank you to Trisha Holleran for coming on and talking about her extremely fascinating job as music supervisor. I honestly wasn't really sure what a music supervisor did, as it feels like with most of these episodes that I've been doing. I had no idea, you know, what went into it, what the job duties are, and and things like that. And to hear it firsthand is, for me, fascinating and exciting, and Trisha is just so lovely to talk to about this world and is so passionate about what she does that you can obviously tell that she loves her job. Like, no doubt about it. And this is just part one. I mean, there is more to come next week on our final part two of the summer session. And I know it's sad, but also, that means season three is coming, and you can also sit back and relax and think, wow, I learned so much this summer I guess I could take a couple weeks off to really let it sink in and really appreciate how much I've learned about the film industry. And we're just getting started over here. I mean, there's obviously more to come. But of course, if you liked this episode, we have a whole summer session you can listen to. We also have two seasons of content with special guests, friends, film industry professionals, you name it. We are talking about movies all the time. But if you've listened to all the episodes already, you have a few options that you can go and explore. Option one, you can follow us on our Instagram at Scopophilia underscore podcast, where I am posting updates during the summer and when the season is starting and other fun little tidbits like that. Uh, We do also have a TikTok page. It is at Scopophilia the podcast, which you can follow us there. Additionally, we have merch just for you guys just for our fans we have merch that you can purchase on our website at ncpodcasts.com slash scopophilia it is also in our instagram bio which means it's only one click away for your purchase and i mean let's let's just be honest it's pretty great It's pretty great merchandise just for you guys. We have shirts, we have hats, we have tote bags. And let me tell you, I wear my hat every chance I get. Every time I go to the beach, every time I'm going to Aldi, every time, all the time. I love it. And you would love it too. So you can go ahead and head over there and stock up on Scopophilia gear, of course. And since you're on the internet already, make sure that you are Rating, reviewing, and subscribing the show. Uh, It helps us out a lot. And of course, I always love hearing from you guys. So don't be shy and let me know your thoughts. And since you're already sharing your thoughts on the internet, make sure that you are telling your friends and your family and your family of friends and your friends of family about the show so that we can all be talking about film together. We know you love it. I know that I love it. And we just want to keep this conversation going over here. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia, and I will see you all next Friday.
1: Bye!